from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report where we count down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow. wow. That's right, that's Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer, James St. James, Editor of the Wow Report, and myself, Benton Bailey, Co-Founder of World of Wonder. Um, it's a, I think it's our Halloween episode. Oh, I, I better think of some Halloween content quick. Yeah, I think, Boom! <laughs> I think James is, for those of you not able to watch, James's Halloween costume is on right now, and he's 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 Danny from Greece. He's Danny Zirko. He's got a black sleeveless <laughs> I know, t-shirt. I'm feeling very butch. I'm, I'm not, I'm having a sleeveless t-shirt moment, and I, I thought long and hard about it, and then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be butch today. <laughs> is this the first year that that meme of, like, all those kind of fantasy Halloween costumes thing is going oh, around? You know, it's funny. I have been seeing those, and they have been cracking me up. They are so funny. They are. Well, I would take this picture and put Danny, De- Danny, oh, say Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. How <laughs> dare you, sir? Danny DeVito in Greece. Thank you very much. All right, well, let's start our countdown at number 10, Tom. Number 10. Oh, this one's hard, you guys. And it's the wonderful, gorgeous human being, inside and out, Leslie Jordan, left Earth this week. And so if unexpected, so sad. And if there is a heaven, Leslie is there, and he's a large and in charge. You know, Leslie Jordan, people know from Will and Grace as as a... As, what was it? Beverly Leslie, Leslie, something like that. And um, Beverly Leslie. And, thank you. Uh, Karen Walker's nemesis, which fun fact that he was in a, repl- a last minute replacement. That character was supposed to be played by Joan Collins and something happened. As, ah. as Car- yes. And he took over it. And, you know, I, I first fell in love with him, uh, watching him in plays and movies by Del Shores uh, Sorted Lives, uh, 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 Southern Baptist Sissies. Um, and, you know, he appeared in Drag Race a couple of times. I had the the wonderful uh, privilege of working with him. Uh, I knew him outside the rooms. We had some mutual friends. I'd been to dinners with him. He was the best storyteller. But, oh. but sort of more than anything, and I want to hear you guys, it's like never was there someone who was, he was diminutive. He was a sissy by by definition, and yet he was the greatest, one of the greatest men I've ever met, known. And he was full of love, radiated love, and helped I think everybody feel better about themselves. Helps his 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 he's huge in the gay community, but I think especially during COVID when he had his viral moments and his 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 very honest to camera conversations, I think the whole world felt deeply in love with Leslie. Yes. Um, I met him, I think in the nineties, uh, we were in, um, uh, we were in the out 100 together and they had us do a photo shoot together dressed as like 18th century courtesans. And we spent about five hours just, I was just, everyone dissolved into giggles because he was, like you said, in the great tradition of Southern storytellers, he is up there with Truman Capote and, uh, you know, Tennessee Williams. He, once he starts telling a story, it is just, it was magical. And I was very happy to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, he was recently at one of the drag cons. Uh, we did a panel together, uh, so I just, uh, God bless him. What a wonderful, wonderful person. This is what everybody has said to me, including Randy. He's like, it feels like every year he was a bigger star. His momentum was just building and building and building. Well, I read an interesting piece by Alexander Kakala and um, talking about how his, you know, his struggle in life and that embracing his sissiness and, and learning to love the sissy was sort of part of his journey. And I, I loved what you said, Tom, because I think sissy power is so underrated and ignored and yet it is this sort of profound moral force and i think that's why his star got brighter and brighter because he just got just leaned into the sissy and i think we need you know sissy that walk right absolutely it's just you know again when people pass you remember the best of them but it's hard to remember anything but great things about leslie jordan who i also know had been sober for many years and just really 
you know, has had been there and done that and, and, and come out the other side as this beautiful creature. And he will be so deeply missed. You know how when people pass away, famous people, you know, your, your social media fills up with people with pictures with them. Yes. It was true with Leslie, but I feel like it's because he was so accessible. I feel like if you lived in West Hollywood, you had coffee with Leslie. You, you saw him at the Starbucks. He made you laugh. He was, he was a special guy. And of course he's, um, on a, on a sitcom, call me cat. With Shane or, Jackson and Maya Bialik. And, yes. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and they've been posting and there's a, a, a anyway, so I can go on and on, but I just, it makes me tear up and cry and it makes me so grateful that I got to know him a little bit and that, you know, video of him and his messages live on, but not the same. Rest in power, Leslie Jordan. Um, let's move on to number nine, James. Number nine. American Horror Story has started again. Uh, I don't know. Season 47, season 53, <laughs> something like that. I can't. I don't know. Uh, it, it's uh, American Horror Story, colon, NYC. And it takes place in the New York City club scene of 1981. Um, it, it's 1981. There are, there are maybe two serial killers at work in the leather scene of the West village. Um, they're dismembering gays and uh, drugging people. And, and it's sort of based on um, the last call killer, which happened in the early eighties in real life. And it's what's um, cruising the Al Pacino movie was based on. It also sort of seems like there's a little bit of Eagle Vesti in there. The Andrew Crispo murders. There's um, a, a photographer who is very Robert Maplethorpian and he takes pictures of the leather Queens and he does very seedy artsy pictures. And he has a Sam Wagstaffian uh, art dealer boyfriend who is very creepy. And uh, we, we don't know what's going on with him, but they're very S and M and creepy weird. There is also um, Patty Lapone is a um, singer in a bathhouse, sort of like Bette Midler. There's Dennis O'Hare plays an Andy Warhol type. There's a Klaus uh, Nomi character who dies very early on of a mysterious disease that is spreading through the gay community. I think the serial killer is sort of a metaphor for the coming AIDS crisis that's happening. Um, there's a Larry Kramer character who works at um, the New York Native, and he's sort of between, somewhere between Larry Kramer and Gabriel Rotello and Michelangelo Signorelli. He gets um, radicalized by the fact that the government and nobody is doing anything about this coming disease and the, the serial killers. And he's um, keeps getting angrier and angrier and tries to bring in the lesbian community and everything to help with the problems that are starting. Um, uh, we also have Sandra Bernhardt in it, who is really fun. And, um, we have Russell Tovey is one of the stars and Russell Tovey is so cute and so wonderful. Swoon. Swoon. Yes. Very, very handsome. He's one of the policemen who's gay and in the leather community trying to find out what's happening. And then also young Charlie Carver, a little Charlie Carver is in it who was, you know, with world of wonder worked on the stone wall and he's so cute and so good. And he's, um, he's also one of the producers. So I'm always very happy for his career. Um, watching him do well. He's such a, a little cutie and a good kid. Are you enjoying it? Um, I was about to ask American Horror Stories, there is some clunky bits and there's some fun bits and you just take what you want and you discard the rest. And um, it is fun to see the leather scene portrayed and fun to see the Maplethorpe character and the Sam Wagstaff character and the Klaus Nomi character. And he's always performing at the, at the gay clubs and Patty Lapone singing her heart out. So it is, there is some fun, fun things there. Never having watched an episode of American Horror Story, the phenomena, I, I'm sort of intrigued just by the way it seems to just take actual stories and then sort of mash them up in a sort of well, barely disguised it. like, way. It's such a radical, unusual thing to do, right? And that's where people get upset with him. But there's also, at the same time, he is sort of showing us gay culture in every period, in every time, and he's introducing people to it. So you can't really get too upset right. with it. I, do, I, I don't know that if you've never watched an American Horror Story, this is the season to start. I think you would go back to the beginning and do the first three or four seasons, which were spectacular. Two quick things. One is that Law and Order takes real life stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. It's not unusual. But second, uh, when you say New York City gay men in 1981, I have PTSD 
and I have trouble because of the AIDS. It's just like no, it, just, that, it, it, it fills it, me with true. fear beyond anything American Horror Story could do. But but, but the way he gets around that is that it is this is about serial killers, and there's the, one of the serial killers might be a demon, and you know there's all sorts. It's not just AIDS, and it is sort of fun to go back. That was a a, a very carefree period right before the the, the coming AIDS. It was crisis. like the last year almost. Eighty one was exactly. the last year that we were in, we were dumb about it. We were innocent. And to see everybody, you know, doing coke and getting fucked at, at leather clubs is is something that like most kids haven't don't haven't ever experienced, and it is sort of fun to to be. Blake, I don't want you listening to this part of the podcast. Thank you. Cover your ears, Blake. <laughs> well, I do love the posters, so. But that's just the thing about American Horror Story is the posters never have anything to do with the actual oh, okay. theory. Like you, you, the posters look like '90s, don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, they don't look like 1981. They're very genitalia. Yeah, yeah, wallpaper genitalia. Someone said to me the whole thing was based on Studio 54. So I have no idea. Well, I they were trolling me on Reddit and saying that it was about um, Michael Aleg and James St. James. So, but it is not. (laughs) Honey, that's a whole nother American. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to number eight. Number eight. I was I was away last week. I was in London, where I was really lucky to see a preview for a musical open this week, and it's called Tammy Faye. Yeah, it's a musical by Elton John. Uh, and Jake Shears from Jake is one of the writers too, isn't he? Uh, Jake from Scissor Sisters wrote the lyrics. Elton John wrote the music. Uh-huh. Um, the book is by James Graham, who actually. Um, Turned the best of enemies that documentary about um, William yeah. F. Buckley, right? And Gore Vidal. Anyway, okay. So that's what was pretty... when they first coined the phrase crypto fascist. Yes, something yes. like that. Um, it's really interesting. I really enjoyed it. it. It was at a small theater, the Almeida Theater in North London. And I mean, years ago, David Furnish, Elton John's husband, told me about this, that they were doing this musical. And my immediate Beware reaction, of dropping names. My immediate reaction was sort of, ah, like you didn't call us, you know? you know? And of course, no one, absolutely, they should make a musical about it and not call us or mention us or have anything to do with the eyes of Terry Faye. But once I got over myself, um, which took about six years, um, I was really excited to see it. and. Um, it, it it is actually I think it is it is actually really good. The set, um, well, first thing is the Jim and Tammy story is one narrative, but the bigger narrative is televangelism in the eighties and Falwell and radical right wing fundamentalism, which is how the Republicans even got elected on the back of Nixon, on the back of Reagan and Trump. It's 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 all this epic story. And how Jim and Tammy fell afoul of that televangelist vision because they were they were welcoming everybody. They they loved the people with AIDS. They loved the gays. It was like a an inclusive party rather than an exclusive one in which anyone who wasn't with you was going to go to hell and damnation and what have you. So that was all great. And they told that story, I thought, really well. They did it with a set that was very minimal, but it was like the Rowan and Martin set of old where there were like, or, or Hollywood squares, like uh-huh. rows of sort of windows and people could pop out. And it, it oh, I really love that. Su- That's fabulous. Yes, it was really good. <laughs> the other thing is that I found really great is, to be honest, I've never really found Jim Baker to be that interesting or that appealing. And because it's always been, for my money, about Tammy Faye and that she was the beating heart and the loving soul of the whole story. But... Andrew Rannells. Andrew Rannells. I love Andrew. Yeah. Oh my gosh, James. I could not take my eyes off him. He was so gorgeous. So cute. I, I just sat there having impure thoughts all the way through. And it, it's the first time there was a complexity to Jim Baker's character in this that I've never really seen in anything. Um, and of course, they touch on the, the gay stuff. They didn't really go there as far as they could. Although a hilarious moment is when 
Jim and Tammy set up PTL and, you know, they're reenacting the passion plays and having these theatrical extravaganzas of the crucifixion. And they give you little bits of them. They are the gayest thing you ever saw in your life. And there's a guy running around with a whip and whipping Christ. And it's and and someone at some point complains, everybody's gay. What's going on? And you can, you know, it all sort of makes sense. In a way. Um, so uh, did you ever see Andrew Reynolds in the original production of uh, Book of Mormon? I did. Yes, that's where he was I was so started. good at that. He's so I I I see him a lot. He has a very uh busy career, but I'm glad he, I, I just things that sh- he's really talented, deeply talented. Deeply talented and he because he plays I I think he captures that sort of uncanny valley thing in the sense that Jim Baker is charismatic, but you also kind of don't quite believe him. Yeah. That that sort of inauthenticity somewhat or something yep something just that degree that's off and he captures it so well as well as being sort of a wholesome because he's a wholesome looking guy right i yeah. mean it very very gorgeous so um be interesting to see how it does it, it's gotten some great reviews um you know it's 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 a big story to try and fit into there's a lot of story in there and i I wonder if it all completely works out. Um, I'm interested to know how the music, what you thought of the music. Um, there aren't any standout. There's songs. no big, no big bring the house down number. And I kind of think that's what you need. I mean, yeah. You know, even Tammy herself in real life, when she had an amazing number of songs, any which I would have loved to have seen here authentically in this context. And, you know, especially when you have the two powerhouses of Elton John and Jake Shears, you would think that there'd be something. Maybe they're keeping, they're retooling it. I did see that Elton John also has um, Devil Wears Prada coming up on Broadway um, this upcoming season. So yes. he is very busy. So we don't have to worry about Elton. We don't have to worry. Yes. He's doing okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that is Tammy Faye um, through December 3rd at the Almeida Theatre in London. Let's take a quick break. Um, I want to tell you, Halloween is coming, and we have a special on House of Love cocktails. Right, Tom? It's true. It's true. If you never tried them, this is the time. It is. It is. You, If you go to houseoflovecocktails.com, through midnight on Halloween, and if you enter boo at checkout, that's B-O-O. I wonder who wrote this, Tom Campbell. I just have this, I see your hand in this. No, 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 no. Anyway, if you enter boo at checkout, you get 20% off. No tricks, all treats, house of love, cocktails, and mocktails. There's incredible premium pour uh, cocktails. There's also alcohol-free mocktails, so everybody is invited to the party. That's right. All right, they're boolicious. Um, Blake, do you have a question? Yes. It's Halloween season and, you know, the thriller video. Everyone knows that. Rod Temperton, who wrote the title track, as well as a couple of others on that album, has said that Vincent Price wasn't his first choice to record the monologue at the beginning of the song. Who was his first choice? All right, we'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to Wire Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Fenton here with Tom and James. And Blake, and we're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. Before we continue the countdown, Blake, got a question for us. In the thriller video, Rod Temperton, who wrote the title track, has said that Vincent Price wasn't his first choice to record the monologue at the beginning of the song. Who was his first choice? I'm going to say it was Joan Collins, and then it went to Leslie Jordan, but then it went to... um, uh, Vincent Price. Vincent Price after that. Good guess. No. James, you're paying attention for that. I appreciate. Um, I can't imagine anybody but Vincent Price doing it's that. It's crazy. The only thing I could think of, but I don't think they were alive or even close to being alive, would be like Bella Lugosi. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say Sir John Gilgood. Okay. 
it was the Mistress of the Dark, Elvira. Oh. oh. And why didn't she do it? I think uh, they had a meeting with Quincy Jones, who produced the album, and he suggested Vincent Price because his wife was a good friend. I love that. Vincent Price's wife was fabulous. I don't know yes. if you remember her. She was wonderful. Had dinner with the uh, with the Vincent Prices at Joan Rivers' house years ago, but I don't want to name <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's a hard room today. All right, we got to number seven. Number seven. Just a moment in gay, queer, non-binary, trans history. We like never talk out. about any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a, but the first number one in America and really around the world uh, uh, with a non-binary and trans artist is playing, a, booming through your speakers right now. And it's the song Unholy. That's a, a combo of Sam Smith and the incredible Kim Petras. They're both incredible. Um, what's, I don't know if you guys, you'll know it if you'll hear it. I love this song. It's my favorite song of the moment. It is absolutely spectacular. I it's you will know it the second you hear it because it has been playing on TikTok. It was dro- they dropped the chorus on TikTok like two or three months ago, and every porn star, whoops, everybody I follow on TikTok has done you know little things. It, it's it's really catchy. It's really great. And two, so that's I'm telling you like I'm 90, which I almost am, but like TikTok clearly is the platform to launch number ones around the world now. Because everybody has heard it. It's got a hook you cannot deny. And someone was even saying the video just came out and it's a pretty cool video. I can tell you all about it. But it's someone's saying it almost, it's almost a letdown because people have so imagined what this song is and seen so many. uh, uh, It's interesting when you say that about TikTok launching a song or whatever. TikTok will also find a song, an obscure song from like four years ago, yeah. and all of a sudden it will be ubiquitous and it will skyrocket straight to number one. It is an amazing platform for for helping yes. people. the The song, um, I Blake showed it to me the other day. He showed me the the video, and I was my first reaction was like, I don't like this. It's high, and I started being like a cranky old man. And then the more I heard it, the more I listened to it, I was like. Okay, okay. And I, I mean, I do love Kim Petras. I think she's absolutely amazing. And uh, I love her voice. I love everything about her. I, uh, I, um, I go back and forth on sometimes I love his stuff, sometimes his stuff drives me crazy. But I, you know, I, and speaking of my, my mature mind, the beauty of MTV back in the day when you sat and you watched programming is you saw these videos over and over again, you kind of weren't in control and they would just seep into your psyche to the point yeah. now where you hear certain songs from that period and you just remember the images. And then when you go like with this video for unholy, you click on it once and you think like, I don't know if I like it. It's like, you saw it once you were half, you were distracted half the time looking at your phone. So you kind of have to like, Put it on repeat and really get into yeah. it. It's kind well, of and we we must mention that got Mick and Violet Chachki. Oh yes, yes. Video. Uh huh. So I'll post that on the Wow Report, by the way. And I believe it's sponsored by Durex condoms because they show up in lots of shots. <laughs> well, and you know the song is about a guy on the DL who's married and messing around at the gay club. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy club. Which, by the way, I think that's a bad message about cheating. I think everyone should cheat, but that's for another show, another time, another topic. (laughs) You think people should cheat is what you're saying? Sure. I think people should have permission to cheat. Maybe you should just be more, more, uh, I guess, frank with her, but... uh... Tom, this is shocking. You are the most moral person, the most moral, upright person I've ever met. I can't believe that you you are down with that. Well, we'll talk about it on the Tom Campbell Everybody Should Cheat podcast. But you know, the thing is, because I have been cheated on so many times by boyfriends <laughs> that I have a knee-jerk reaction to hate cheaters because I'm always the one getting cheated on. You've never cheated. Well, yes, but not to the extent where I, 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 um, I'm on the very much on the down low. I think you never I, got I caught, caught, is what you're saying. Yeah. Now, you know, and, Anderson Cooper has an amazing podcast. I've yet to listen to, but people are talking about it and uh, my walks uh, about people losing the, the the you know loss and mourning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to do a podcast about cheating. It's something everyone's done or it's been done to them. I can't wait. 
Let's do it. Benton is strangely quiet about this subject. Right? Unholy by Tom Campbell, the podcast. Unholy, I, I, I have not heard the song, and I've been the, the title Unholy. I'm like, what's it about? I thought maybe it was a Halloween type thing. It is very Halloweeny. There is, there's, there is sort of a, a Halloween vibe mm-hmm. to it. Maybe we should do a special uh, cheating evergreen edition too. Top ten things about cheating. That's Top ten times I've been cheated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to number six. Number six. Number six, Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. Oh, we talked about that. it last week. We talk, we'll talk about it this week. We will probably talk about it again next week. Uh, you know, he recently boasted that he could say any anti-Semitic thing that he wants, and Adidas would not drop him. How wrong he was. Adidas dropped him this week, uh, and sort of um, holy hell rained down upon him for the things that he said. Just very quickly, uh, Balenciaga cut ties with him. Vogue and Anna Winter cut ties with him. He was dropped by CAA, dropped by his lawyer, dropped by J.P. Morgan. His stream sales and airplay have plummeted, although Spotify has not dropped him. Um, his stadium shows have been canceled. His documentary has been canceled. His school, very funny, uh, was closed today. And then two hours later, it reopened and said, we're better than ever. So that's very strange. I think that's his manic depression happening there. TJ Maxx dropped ties with him. Um, his deal and- with the gap is over. <laughs> his deal with the gap is over. And just and a little perspective, would- but that Adidas uh, of canceled their at a cost of something like a quarter of a billion dollars to them. Which yeah, I think uh, awesome. but they are going to. They're just taking his name off it, and they're still selling the the design, which is a little weird. I don't know if I truck with that. But within 24 hours, he lost um, uh, his status as a billionaire. His net worth plummeted to just 400 million dollars. And um, you know, for Tom Blake and I, 400 million dollars would be fine. Um, uh, <laughs> right, but, so you, you think he's going to be fine, but the fact of the matter is, is that for someone like him who can lose, you know, a billion, two billion dollars in a day, four hundred dollars is probably not going to be sufficient for four hundred million. Lose that the thing that's million. sad in all this, James, is that I, I, I mean, maybe you took this last week, but he needs help. I mean, he has. Well, but the, that's the thing because people have been trying to get him help for ten years, and so if there becomes a point where you just have to wipe your hands of it, because if he's not going to help himself, and if nobody can help him, then what do you do if he continues to be a menace to society and he continues to spread hate? That at some point, you know, we've talked about this last week, where there are lots of people who have mental health issues and they don't go around saying bigoted and anti-Semitic things. I thank God that these corporations had the guts to do the right But where were these corporations when he said that slavery is a choice or he was talking shit about Harriet Tubman or he was saying other anti-Semitic things? It seems like it's it's weird to me that this was the breaking point when for 10 years he has been saying these horrible, horrible things and doing these horrible things. And everybody was – as long as they were making money off of him, they were happy to let him spew his – his his nonsense. I, I, I'm just glad it happened. And I think this was a, the a straw for whatever reason. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and it, it, you know, we just live in an age where so many people do not. I mean, the thing is, none of this is new. As long as as long as the money was rolling in, it it, it seemed like it it didn't happen. I do want to also say the one person who has been standing in his corner and came out today and in vigorous defense of him was Roseanne Barr. <laughs> Which was sort of like, ah. Dan Rather put out the, because uh, supposedly he went to um, Skechers and was escorted out of the building. You hear about that? And then uh, Dan Rather put out a tweet that said, I think the My Pillow guy would do a collaboration with Kanye. <laughs> oh, God. I know it's like, not something to make jokes about, I guess, but also. It... You do see on um, Daily Mail, which I've talked about before and how Daily Mail comment section is all Russian, you know, bots, bots and yeah. trolls and everything. And they are all for Kanye. Oh, God, God bless Kanye West. Oh, this is just the best thing. Blah, blah, blah. So you do see that, that maybe there's some Republican talking points there that people are going to latch on to. I don't know. It's all just a big mess. And I, I'm sorry to bring it up again. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to buy some Adidas sneakers. I'm a Nike guy, but I'm trying to spend some money at Adidas. 
to show my support. Well, um, Billy um, bought all the Kanye stuff when it, uh, the Gap, Yeezy stuff, whatever it was, and was very excited because he thought it was going to be incredibly valuable investment. But of course, now, you know, well, you can't yeah, even wear them out of the house. It's like <laughs> you don't know how things will bounce back and people might start thinking it as collectible. I do well, remember um, uh, uh, you were praising the Balenciaga garbage or the gap garbage bags and the, the Balenciaga muddy stuff. Yeah. You loved all of that. I, James, I was trying to have a discussion about conceptual design in today's world and you were just having none of it, just shutting it down, shutting it down. Well, if, 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 if I may, to me, it, it smacked of Marie Antoinette playing shepherdess and pretending to be a poor person at the Petit Trianon, and that's what, what brought about the revolution. Well, I know it's you're waiting me. for all our heads to be cut off, but the fact of the matter is that that's what fashion has always done. It's always been a sort of um, flying in the face of reality. It's always been a fantasy at times, a provocative fantasy or a tasteless fantasy or even a toned up tasteless fantasy. fantasy. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have totally, I have totally blown out whatever was happening in your head. (laughs) What is happening is my head is how do I segue from Kanye West (laughs) to Harry Styles? And because of my limited talents, I can't think of a way to do it. So, (laughs) but number five, Last, this week, I went to see Harry Styles. at um, He's in L.A. doing a whole... I think he's doing 15 nights of wow. Harry's house at the Forum. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he does it in the round, but it's not actually around. He, he plays on a square stage to all four sides of the audience. He is so good. Oh. Like, just the moment he walks out on stage. And interestingly... Didn't change his outfit once. Not a change of outfits. It wasn't a big show. It wasn't a huge band. There weren't a lot of visuals. It was extraordinarily stripped down, but not for one moment was I didn't look anywhere else. I was, he is carousing in a bottle. He pranced and danced around that stage. Like he was having the best time. He connected with everybody in that audience somehow. I I mean, I guess this is simple. He's a star. Yeah. He's a star in a way that in a way that others are more studied or have to, you know, Beyonce. She's great, amazing. And it, but you know it's always about perfection. He just showed up, put on a t-shirt, or or gave that impression that he just showed up, you know? Yeah. But it, it, I imagine that did the crowd just were, were they bananas? Was it just bananas? Yes, just bananas. He sounded great. He... And, and you're right that the, the, the idea that he's always just having fun. Like yeah. I've, I've watched you know clips of him of his shows, and he just he'll stop and he just it looks completely spontaneous. It looks like there's like, it, right. but he's just a, he's a star. He's just a star. He's of just the a star. Magnitude. There's no choreographed routines. There are no dancers. There's no whistles and bells. It's just him and a band, and hit after hit after hit after hit. He never seems to tire. There's one moment where he talks to the audience because it gets them to hold up all the signs that they brought along. He was just so funny in yeah. just sort of conversational, but so funny. I, I you know, because part of me went along with like, I'm going to put on my queer baiting judgy face and <laughs> report back to you. I have not, a, I don't have a negative thing to say. Yeah. And which, you know, it's, Slightly disappointing to me that I can't find anything to nitpick. <laughs> Can we come up with a new phrase for queer baiting for people we like? It should be sort of like fraternal flirting or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it a bad thing that like straight well, guys? I don't, feel I don't comfortable believe. Enough? I I honestly, you know, there's sometimes when there's queer baiting, and I think that they're that they're doing it for the you know they're doing it in a very cynical way and everything but i don't believe there's a cynical bone in his body and i think that if he's if he's flirting with boys i think he just feels like flirting with boys i actually go back to what you were saying tom about leslie jordan he's a sissy and yeah he's got a girlfriend and he may well be straight but it's just that joy of sissiness you know it's not it's i i guess sissy is Maybe too strong a word for it because it's just more sort of fluid or fey or something. But it's 
it's glorious and it's great. And it's not to be pigeonholed and said, well, this is this, this is that. And of course, flamboyant. He's flamrock. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yes, but, but I, do, I, you know, some people like, you know, the, the, I can name another um, rock star who is accused of, of queer baiting. And for them, I feel like they're doing it for clicks and for, you know, to, to try and get the gays to buy the songs. And it's sort of cynical. But with with Harry, I don't feel that at all. I just I honestly feel that he he loves his gay audience. He loves his his non-binary friends. He loves wearing a dress and he, you know, he might have a girlfriend, but, but it's just it's all part of the joy of Harry. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Harry's house. I love it. I want to live in it. And I'm going to go back and see him again. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, let's take a quick break. Uh, you can see Harry through November 15th at the Forum in LA before he moves on to Mexico. Just before we go to break, congratulations to Trixie and Katya for the not one, not two, but three streaming nominations for uh, Best Editing, Best Unscripted, and Best Show. That's amazing. And of course, where can you see that? You can see it on Wow Presents Plus. Just go to wowpresentsplus.com, sign up. I think you get a week free, but you, you'll want to stick around, trust me. I have a question. Which movie tops Rotten Tomatoes list of the scariest movie ever made? All right. We'll have the answer to that teasing Halloween-themed question right after the break. To World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Fenton here with Tom and James. And Blake, you had a question for us. I did. Which horror movie tops Rotten Tomatoes list of the scariest movie ever? Well, you would think that it would probably be The Exorcist or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween, but it's probably not. What is it? Oh, Tom, not, what do you think? It's not one of those Saw movies, I hope. I, I don't know. I, I I stick with the old-fashioned ones. I'm, I'm like Halloween or, or Psycho. Psycho, maybe, yeah. Or what about, what, what's that cannibal one The the um in South America on, in there? Anyway. Can we, I'm going to go um, based on what my nephew is going as for Halloween. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> there's, a, there's a new horror movie out, the title of which I can't remember, but people are being carried out. They've the Terrifier out. one that we talked about last week. Yes, oh, Terrifier right. 2. Yeah. Um, it's Exorcist. I oh, thought so. James, yeah. you did it. You did it. Yeah, uh, uh, Very long, sloppy way, but you did it. <clears throat> we are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number four. Number four. I watched two episodes of a new docuseries that you can see on Hulu or OWN, executive produced by Oprah and Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, and it's called The Hair Tales. And it's, it's, it's this incredible celebration of Black women and their hair. Um, and it's kind of fascinating. Now, I was confused at first because I thought it was just a single documentary. I thought, geez, she's talking to Oprah a great deal in this documentary. Um, but it turns out that every episode, there's a new, there's somebody else that Tracy Ellis Ross is interviewing. In the first, inter- in the first episode, it's Oprah, which is anytime it, anytime spent with Oprah, you just realize how much you miss Oprah and how we used to be able to spend five hours a week with her. And then uh, Issa Rae is in the second episode. And there's more. There's a congresswoman coming up, and it's split between the celebrity interview with, uh, and then there's this. Um, kind of beauty parlor of women getting their hair done and just your regular women telling their stories. And then they have sit downs with experts and, and academics and things talking about the history of black women's hair. Obviously it's a, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it makes its point in its totality. And it's just the, how hair is political and the insights from the Oprah interview just blew me away. First of all, some of this has to do with hair and sometimes it rambles off into the things, but Oprah remembers sitting on the porch in Mississippi and her, her grandmother braiding her hair and Oprah, no matter what else, she had good hair and everyone was proud of it. So she was felt always just, you know, she had beautiful hair. And then uh, she also said that she has a picture of her with pigtails and there's a picture of her like an eight that has on her desk. And she goes, I knew I had purpose then that hair told me I had purpose. And she goes, what else was going on then? She goes, I found Christ then she started going to church. And so Oprah's training, it just makes so much sense that Oprah's first, moments of empowerment were around God, the, the, you know, preachers 
and people communicating with language and passion and words. And it was really interesting. And then uh, apropos of nothing, but I want to tell a story. She talked about when she was 22 and an anchor at uh, a Maryland station. And they, they brought her in, 22. And they said, and her hair at this point was kind of smoothed over. It looked like Diana Ross in Mahogany. You know, it wasn't like crazy, but it wasn't a natural. And they said, your hair's too big. We've got to do something about it. And again, she's like, oh my God, my hair is, to herself, my hair is my thing. And they said, it interferes with the green screen. It, you know, the, it, it buzzes. So we're going we're gonna to send you to a salon in New York and they're going to fix it. And Oprah said, I didn't even think of it as a black or white thing back then. All I thought was, I'm not pretty. I need to be fixed, which is really powerful. The guy also said to her, she started to tear up. He said, you know, your eyes are really far apart. And your nose is broad. Would you ever think about getting that fixed? She's like, what does that mean? Like they wanted to like give her plastic surgery. And or, so she went to the salon and it was all white people. And she said, is there anybody? No. And so they ended up giving her is a French salon. They gave her a French perm that literally burnt her scalp. And she left with um, scabs and like tiny bits of hair, her hair, her crowning glory, the thing, you know how women are, black women, especially just, it was taken away from her. And there's this, she talks about this one other black woman who was like the story editor who they showed pictures of who had very short hair, beautiful black woman. And she brought her to the, to her barber and they shaved it all off and they had to take her off the air. And slowly she had a small perm, bigger perm, bigger perm. And she goes, I never let anyone touch my hair until the Oprah Winfrey show started like eight or more years later. And she finally found someone that could take care of and she could trust with her hair. And of course, Oprah's hair journey. And again, there's lots of women's stories, but I was obsessed with Oprah's, you know, Oprah's had every kind of hair in terms you know, if, if you want to talk about the hidden language and importance of, of for black women and their culture hair, Oprah is, you know, volumes and volumes and volumes of that. So that is such an incredible story. Like I, none of which I had any idea of. And it, I, while you were talking, I was just thinking about Samson and Delilah, right? I mean, one of the most powerful stories in the Bible is, you know, when Samson's hair is cut and yeah. with it goes his strength. And so I never thought of hair as, as well, not the little things. Funny. And I'm, I'm not, it's hard to sum the whole thing up because it's very conversational. Oh, last thing. Oprah, when she was a reporter early on before she was an anchor, she said the reason she got fired from being a reporter or taken out the field is because she would go to like a fire and the woman would have her hair in curlers and she'd be like, honey, do you want to take off your cream? Do you want to take out the curlers? She was so wanted people to present themselves in their best light that she would sort of produce people, fix their hair. Anyway, um, it, it's, 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 it's not, you know, super driven and super compelling, but if you just want to sit around and hear some really fabulous and for me, eye-opening cultural conversations, uh, the hair tales, uh, I saw on Hulu. It's also on own. Amazing. Thank you, Tom. Number three. Number three. I am reading the haunt of fear. Uh, a collection of 50s horror comics from EC that is just so fun. It is so good. Um, EC Comics was like DC Comics or Marvel in the 1950s, and they did uh, horror comics and romance comics, I believe, and they were very famous for that. Now, when I was little, I had these two cousins, David and Blake, a virgin, and I followed them around. I idolized them so much. And they were so cool. They, this was like the 70s. And they introduced me to Planet of the Apes. They made me sit down and watch Planet of the Apes and 2001 Space Odyssey and The Hobbits. And they told me about The Hobbits and you know Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons. And they were nerds. But in the 70s, that was very cool. And they were very cute. And I just loved them so much. And I remember one summer, we got a cottage on Oyster Bay. And they were had a log cabin next to us and i just followed them around the whole time i was like six or seven and they were like 10 or 12 and they had these horror comics and i would read them and they traumatized me they were so scary they were you know of course they aren't scary now reading them they're so silly and you know it's like uh there's a haunted house and 
you know, a college kid goes in one night and they found him the next day and he was dead and he had aged 60 years in one night because of the fright. And, you know, it's like all sort of like, and there's one where there's a, a man murders his wife and buries her in the basement with the cat and he hears the the ghost cat meowing and meowing and it drives him insane. <laughs> and so it's like all sorts of things like that. But these traumatize me so much. And for the last 50 years, I have been traumatized by horror comics. So for me to buy this was a very big step. <laughs> and I was like scared to buy it. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm rereading it. How is it? Like, do you think- well, like oh. I said, they're, they're very silly and they aren't scary at all. But at the time to my six-year-old self, there was nothing scarier in the world than horror comics. So I am revisiting, I am going through and healing a past trauma in my life <laughs> by that. reading these. <laughs> but they're very fun. And it's for, for you know, it's it tis the season. It's the spooky season. It is the season. It is Halloween. And so if you get a chance, it just came out. It's called The Haunt of Fear. EC Ooh. Comic Horror. Ooh. I love that. Well, perfectly. Uh, here's a natural segue for number two. Number two. Mega Threats. I am reading a truly dark, terrifying book called Mega Threats um, by renowned economist Noriel Rubini, mm-hmm. who was nicknamed Dr. Doom until he predicted the 2008 housing crash and Great Recession. So now he's back and he's saying we don't face just one mega threat. There are 10 mega threats, which is convenient, right? If you're writing a book, it's not like one thing. It's 10 things. It's a listicle book. Um, And making it even worse, these 10 mega threats are all interconnected. Um, He says in the introduction, spoiler alert, without amazing luck, almost unprecedented economic growth and unlikely global cooperation, this won't end well. (laughs) So I am scaring myself to death reading this book. <laughs> um, is it's about uh, you want to know what the ten? Well, maybe you don't. What are yes, the ten? Yes, yes, I hear you ask. Well, of course, I immediately went to the contents page, thinking would just list them out. Yes, it doesn't. Damn it! Uh, but but basically, I can give you an idea. It's debt, stagflation, globalization, AI, environmental. Um, Global warming, right? And Kanye West. No. <laughs> Kanye West is not on the list. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I remember James when I was a kid. I can't remember what it was like. There was, there's always some global, there's always some book. That is remember predicting. Killer Bees were coming. The Killer Bees were coming. That was one. And yes, yeah. there was always something that was going to happen. And it was going to take out the world. The 2012 and- Mayan calendar. Uh, Uh, Yes, the mind calendar, and of course, Y2K, of course, for this generation. But it's interesting that print and books especially are really well suited for sort of doom, predictions of doom, and that everything's going to hell in a handbasket, and it's just going to be a nightmarish scenario. So, you know, we're still here, and there's been a bazillion books about doom published. Are drag queens listed as one of the top 10 things that's going to bring around the other world? You know, they probably are the cause. Of they are one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> exactly. No, they aren't. That's the crazy remember thing. They were, remember, Future Shock was the big when I was little. Future, was exactly. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Future Shock. Yeah. And it's sort of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Wait, that, what is the name of this? And where, it's and, called Mega Threats. Mega Threats. Okay. Yeah. Good title. <laughs> good. Good Halloween read. Okay. We're are you reading th- it or, or is it on on uh, audio? I, I actually reading it. It's on. You know, you can buy the book. You can buy the Kindle. You can get the audio version. You know. Nice. You can terrify yourselves three ways. Um, I think I'm going to do it this weekend. All right. Please do. All right. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. Wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Benson here with Blake and James and Tom. We've been counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow. Wow. What is number one? Number one. Fenton, I'm interested to hear your take on the new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, who um, 
is I the, my first impression is that he's hot and he's he's a daddy and that I like him. But then the more I was reading about him, he is what he's one of the richest, wealthiest men in the UK. Which sort of yeah, maybe is the richer than the richer than the monarchy, as a matter of fact. Yes, yes. And um, um it, what is what is his politics, and do people like him? Well, what you was know, I feel I should know the answer to this question. All I <laughs> I've learned in the last few days, uh, I was actually in London when Liz Truss resigned, which is right out of the blue, just was such a thundershock. Thunder not bolt, entirely right? out of the blue. People have been predicting her demise <laughs> since all of the 45 days she was in power. In it, fact, it, it was that literally... fabulous meme of the head of lettuce that one newspaper predicted would outlast her. And of course, <laughs> they were correct. A head of lettuce did outlast Liz But Trump. it's one of those things where, like, in the history of, of England, in the history of the UK, there has never been any prime minister that has lasted law, shorter yeah. than her. And it's very un-British, because it, normally Britain's very sort of stable, or at least not stable, slow-moving. We, yeah. we don't do things in a mad rush. You know, there aren't many revolutions. I mean, apart, you know, off with the head in, what, 1640 or whenever uh, it was. So. Cromwell. And, yeah. Right. So, Feels like yesterday. But, but Rishi but... is, um, in, in addition to just being incredibly handsome and incredibly wealthy, he went to my college at Oxford. So I'm a little, you know, which is the only time anyone that I've ever been aware of went to the same college. Is he he well-liked? Is he he far right? Is he far left? What is he? You can tell I've been blabbing because I have no idea. Boxers (laughs) or briefs. Boxers or briefs. That's really what James wants to know. That's all we care about. I mean, I don't know about his policies in particular detail, but I would say the Conservatives have been in power for rather a long time and seem to have reached the end of the line, you know. Okay, well, I I will be on the lookout for him, but I just I but was. It's, it's very exciting from a diversity. I mean, like the first um, Hindu, the, the first the, the first non-white prime minister, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, um, and um, amazing. Yeah, all power to him, I guess. Okay, right. Well, that's it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> All we got time for this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Um, you can catch previous episodes uh, on our YouTube channel where you can see us as well. Wow presents. Uh, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. wow.